My name is Onyx. Thank you for joining me for Ponderings of a Pagan Priest. The topics in this podcast will vary as I am led. All that wander are not lost. Welcome to another episode of Ponderings of a Pagan Priest. I haven't recorded a podcast in quite some time, and I apologize for that. But as you can tell, my voice is healing. I uh, strained it up several, about a week ago. So bear with me as I get through this. In this episode, I want to talk primarily to those of you who are new to the pagan path, uh, although not exclusively to you, because what I'm going to talk about is good for all of us. So you're new to the pagan path, you, you, you found this exciting thing called neo-paganism or Wicca or witchcraft, and you feel that, that sense that a lot of us have of, oh my goodness, you mean there's a name for what I believe? Well, I challenge you to understand the way, I, well, at least the way I understand it, the way I see it. Um, witchcraft is, is, is a path of discovery. It's experiential, not revelatory. And by that, what I mean, there are no holy writ. There's no holy writ within the craft. Uh, But it's important, in my opinion, to understand where we come from. The term Wicca, as applied to the religious movement, uh, was applied by Joel Gardner. The idea, the, the, the first person to use the term pagan and neo-pagan to apply to, as an umbrella term, applying to the religious movement, was Oberon Zell. Um, Understand the history of this religious movement. Look into people like Gerald Gardner, uh, Doreen Valente, Oberon and Morning Glory Zell, Ed Fitch, Starhawk. Um, find out why a lot of people are, especially in its original concept in, you know, under, under Gardner, uh, find out why it was considered and is still to this day by many considered an initiatory religion. Um, there are reasons for that. The... There are, most traditions are initiatory, although you do have the pagan way with Ed Fitch, which is non-initiatory. Okay, I may need to clarify a term here in the way I use it. When I say tradition, I'm not using the word tradition in the sense that this is something that is ancient. Uh, I'm using tradition in the sense very much like you might hear the word denomination used in in the Christian church. Um, there are many, many different traditions. A Gardnerian, Alexandrian, uh, fairy, uh, reclaiming, uh, you know, 1734, the pagan way, uh, church of all worlds, uh, uh, so many different ones. Uh, a lot of them will trace their history back to or through or to 
or through uh, the work of Gerald Gardner and, and his uh, and his people back in, in England and you know the the, 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 the the late 30s early 40s 50s predominantly the 50s 60s going forward uh, remembering that witchcraft was technically illegal in England uh, in the UK until the early 50s um, the first book that was published claiming to be a non-fiction on the being a witch was by Gerald Gardner in the early 50s. Um, there were certainly people that were in the nascent, the seeding of the religious movement earlier than that. Uh, if you want to look into that, look at people like George Pickengill. Um, Gerald Gardner considered the father of, of, of modern father of Wicca. Uh, Doreen Valente is considered by some to be uh, the mother uh, uh, of modern craft. Um, of course, you've got Alex Sanders, who claimed to be the king of witches. Um, we, there are, our history and this religious movement are full of very colorful and very deep characters who have a lot to say in their print and in, in their audio and even videos uh, about who we are, what we are, where we come from. Um, a lot of it was based on a book by Margaret Murray, The Witch Cult of Western Europe. Uh, it's, in, it's interesting. Uh, I recommend you read it, but also recommend you understand that the theories and all that were put forth by Margaret Murray in in that book, The Witch Cult of Western Europe, have been pretty much debunked by biologists, uh, sociologists, archaeologists, and such. But all Wicca and witchcraft came from those theories. Um, to be a witch, um, is it initiatory? Is it non-initiatory? Not be a witch alone. It takes a witch to make a witch. Uh, what do these mean? Uh, where did the Wiccan read come from? Research this. Find out the difference between Wicca, spelled W-I-C-A, and the terms Wicca and W-I-C-C-A, W-I-C-C-E. Uh, look at the differences and what they mean. Um, understand where we come from and read the works of people like Gardner, like Valente, like the Farrers, like the Frosts, uh, Oberon Zell, Morning Glory Zell, uh, Ed Fitch, uh, Starhawk. These are just names that are Isaac Bonowitz, um, Raymond Buckland. Uh, these people are the ones that come to my mind immediately as being very influential and in what became what's now as the craft, uh, as witchcraft, as Wicca. This is a path of experience, a path of discovery of who you are and who you are in relation to the world and to the universe around us. It's, it's much more than hey, I'm going to be a witch because it's going to irritate the heck out of my parents. Um, 
many of us who have been around for a while are very deep thinkers, uh, very philosophical minded, we're very connected, or we like to believe that we're very connected to the universe, the world around us. Uh, our trappings, our rituals, and all are just symbolisms of that. Um, I believe that ritual is beautiful. Ritual is necessary, but I also believe that every piece of that ritual needs to have some significance. You shouldn't, and take this with a grain of salt, because I, I can't tell you what to do. I'm not here to tell you what to do. Uh, that's not who I am. That's not what I do. That's not what I'm about. But it's my opinion that there should be nothing in that ritual that doesn't have significance to you. You should understand why the, the, the great right symbolic is a chalice and a blade and why they're conjoined. What does that mean? Um, understand why the four elements are there. Earth, fire, water. You know, understand why they're there. What they represent. What that circle represents. Uh, the circle itself. What does it represent? Why is it there? Where do you place your altar? Do you place it facing north? Do you place it in the center of the circle? Um, which tools are associated with which element and why? The, there, are, there are reasons why everything is there. And the reasons need to mean something to you. They need to be symbols of those quadrants, of those elements, uh, and, and what those elements represent. Do you, do you see the divine as one all-encompassing, all-pervading, omnipotent, omniscient, uh, intelligent force? Uh, and then the gods and goddesses as interpretations or frequencies of that energy? Or do you see the gods as, as different entities in and of themselves? What about magic? What do you think about magic? Is magic something that only a few can do? Uh, is it an ability or a gift that you're born with? Is it something that um, is it something that we all can train ourselves to use? Is it something preternatural or supernatural? What is magic? You know, what is God? What is the divine? What is magic? How do we fit in with each other? How do we fit in with other creatures of the earth, uh, of the earth itself. Um, the Gaia theory, uh, think about uh, research Oberon Zell's concept of, of Gaia. Uh, look at what he has to say about it. Uh, consider how you think about it. Understand where we come from. It's important to know where we come from in order to find where we are right now. And if you can put just like any 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 just like any line or any 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 path, if you know the origin and you know the current point, then you can see a little bit about where you're going. And the Charge of the Goddess by Doreen Valente. In my opinion, one of the most important pieces of literature 
that help define who we are in the craft. There are several things. There are no holy writ, remember, but there are inspired writings. And a lot of that is both on the poetic side of people like Doreen Valente or the academic or theological side of people uh, like Gerald Gardner, like the Farrars, like the Frost, like Oberon Zell, um, Raymond Buckley. Uh, poetry and prose. When, when we come of the literature, you'll hear, let there be mirth and reverence. Um, let there be song. Uh, let there be joy. These things, joy in the heart, the divine within, that divine spark, is that divine spark imminent within everything or just as humans? Uh, are we all a part of the divine? Um, these are things to ponder. These are things to think about. These are things to put in, like I like to call, put that in the meat grinder and let it run through. Think about it, pray about it, meditate about it, read about it, study about it. Think about the concept of the head and the heart. You know, the head of logic and the heart of poetry and love. Um, think about how those two meet together. How, how everything exists on a continuum. Uh, that, that things are a spectrum. You know, uh, in, in, in my in my background in psychology, uh, here you know, not not too long ago, we started looking at uh, mental challenges, mental illnesses as spectrum disorders, and not separate things. Things like the autism spectrum disorder, like the ADHD spectrum, <clears throat> we're starting to understand there that that there's no main difference. But we've known that. What's the difference between hot and cold? They're not two separate things. They are two points along the same continuum. And that's what we, what I like to think of as head and heart. You know, um, prose and poetry. They're, they're, they're lines, they're points on the same line. It's not, it's not dichotic. Uh, they're not mutually exclusive. Uh, they're shades of the same thing. In my opinion, when we talk about uh, magic, you know, a lot of people like to define, you know, white magic, black magic, well, what's the difference? And gray magic, well, where does it turn from white to gray to black? Is there a difference? Is there a distinct difference? These are, these are things to ponder. Who are you? Why are you on this path? Why do you call yourself a witch? or wicked or whatever label you're using um do labels define us or do we define the label there was a song there was a line from an old song that says something to the effect of when the song sings the singer the spell is revealed so Ride that wave. Ride that wave of discovery, both inward and outward, both logically and poetically. Understand our history. 
You cannot be a witch alone. I absolutely agree with that. Because none of us would have discovered witchcraft without the influence of someone else. We are not alone on this path. We walk our path alone, but we're not alone on the path. Be a part of your community. Even if you're practicing solitaire, be a part of the community. Whether it's face-to-face in the community, whether it's online in the community, make, make friends, talk to them, listen to them. Find out what they're thinking. Read people who have gone before. The Trailblazers, Pathfinder, Pete Pathfinder Davis, out of the Aquarian Tabernacle Church, uh, Oberon Zell, Church of All Worlds, uh, Gavin Yvonne Frost, Church and School of Wicca, uh, people like Gerald Gardner and Doreen Valente, uh, of the Gardnerian tradition, Alex Sanders of Alexandrian tradition, Starhawk Reclaiming Tradition, um, Ed Fitch, Pagan Way. Uh, read the works of these people, and you'll come to understand that a lot of people, a lot of them don't agree. They don't agree with each other on some of the, some of the points of the craft, but that's a beautiful thing. Because in that diversity, we challenge ourselves to to come to an understanding, a personal understanding, a personal gnosis of what the divine is and who we are in relation to the divine and who we are in relation to the universe and where our spirituality lies. We have beautiful rituals. But understand what each part of that ritual that you're creating or you're participating in means. They're all symbols for deeper mysteries. And it's been said of the Pythagorean school, um, the Pythagorean school, the school of Pythagoras back you know, ancient times, that there were secrets and there were mysteries. And it's been said that initiates of that school could talk freely about the mysteries, but they could not reveal the secrets. And some even say under penalty and under pain of death. Uh, I don't know how much that is true, but it defines the idea of the difference between what is a mystery and what is a secret. A mystery to me is something that if I have to explain it, you won't understand. And if I, if you understand, I don't have to explain it. It's just a gnosis, a knowledge, a a deep soul knowledge, an understanding. That's a mystery. A secret, on the other hand, is something that if I tell you, you know. And traditionally speaking, secrets are keys to the mysteries. And from my experience, 
many of the mysteries of the different traditions that I've worked with over the years are the same mysteries. They're cloaked in different images, they're cloaked in different icons, but they're the same underlying gnosis. And the secrets of those traditions are the keys that help unlock the door for you to get to that mystery. As the way I define it, look at it, I cannot teach you the mysteries. No one can teach you the mysteries. But there are those who can help you with the secrets, the keys to those mysteries. So a mystery is something that if I have to explain it, you won't understand. And if you understand, I do not have to explain it. Another way I kind of define or explain what a mystery is and, and the way I use the term is think about the act of childbirth. That is a mystery that I, as a male, will not know. I will never, ever know the mystery of childbirth. I can't. I am not anatomically able to experience the mystery of childbirth. But I can't understand the secrets of childbirth because I can study the anatomy, the physiology, the obstetrics, and all that, and understand the process. But I will never have the gnosis of the mystery of childbirth. And I'm not, I'm using that to kind of illustrate what I'm talking about. Um, no matter how much a mother tries to explain to me what childbirth is like, I will never know, at least not in this lifetime. I will never know. That's what I'm talking about when I use the word mystery. Until you are there, you'll never understand. So listen to the words, read the words of those that have gone before. You're coming into this realm at a time where you have a plethora, huge array of information at your fingertips, literally at your keyboard, uh, books at the bookstore, things that you can order online and read. That wasn't true a few decades ago. You know, we, we didn't have a lot of books out there written by people who were walking the path. A lot of what we read then was very slim pickings. You know, there were, there were, you know, when I came into the craft, there were, there were, there were books by Gerald Gardner or works by Valente. There were works by the uh, by the Ferrars or works by the Frost, Alex Sanders, Ed Fitch, uh, a few. But, you know, 
even, I mean, when I came into the craft, truth about witchcraft today, um, and, and, and Scott Cunningham, Scott for solitary practitioner, these were not even available. I mean, if I, if my memory serves correctly, um, Scott Cunningham wrote God for Solitary Practitioner uh, in the late 80s. That might have been Truth About. Truth About was written in the late 80s, mid to late 80s. Um, this was after I stepped into the initiatory circle. So even books that we look at today as being foundational works in the movement were not even available. Um, people who are very prolific authors today have a lot of work out there were not writing or some of them were not didn't even know what witchcraft was during that time um so yeah you are at a great advantage now you have a world of information at your fingertips but I caution you as well, along with having tons of information available, also comes the challenge of deciding what's right and what is not. It is a sad fact that a lot of the work out there in the neo-pagan market, the literary market, is driven by readership and profit. So be aware of that. I'm not saying all of it is. Um, but be aware that it is. Be aware that a lot of people who are experienced, because it is an experiential path, express those experiences and that numinosity differently. Their keys to the mysteries are different. So explore that. Explore those keys. Read, read, read. Talk, talk, talk. Discuss, discuss, discuss. Think about. Contemplate. Meditate. Pray. Work your rituals. Yes, I said pray. Okay. <laughs> we pray too, guys. Okay. A lot of people look at me strange when, um, you know, they find out that I'm a witch. And I say, well, I prayed about that. You pray? Yes, I pray. Because prayer to me is communication with the divine. So, yes, we communicate with the divine. Yes, we pray. Um, pray about it, meditate, think about it. And I go back and say again, read, 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 talk, 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 discuss, 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 explore, explore, explore. And remember, as is said in the read by the, 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 the poem, the Church of the Goddess, by Plante, you know, know that, paraphrasing, uh, know that whatever you're looking for, if you don't find it within, you'll never find it because it's right there inside yourself. That's where the divine lies. That's where the mysteries lie. 
But also understand that what you may find to be unverified personal gnosis may not click or mesh with what other people's unverified personal gnosis is. So put yourself to the test. Challenge yourself to think. Challenge yourself to discover. It's important. It's what we are. It is what we are. We call ourselves the craft of the wise. We don't call ourselves the craft of the well-read. There's a big difference between being knowledgeable and being wise. If you know the information, you're knowledgeable. If you can take that information and put it to use effectively in a positive way, then you're becoming wise. So if we call ourselves a craft of the wise, remember that it's not craft of the knowledgeable. But being knowledgeable is a part of being wise. If we consider that knowledge is tangential with the head and wisdom is tangential with the heart and go back to what I said earlier that the head and the heart are on a continuum or on a spectrum and remember that in our great right we talk about we talk about you know the athame and the chalice the athame and a lot of traditions uh, I think most traditions represents the God or the head the logic the, the linear thought um, and the chalice representing the goddess um, being the heart the cyclical thought uh, the nurturing the receptive uh, we talk about when those two meet that's where the magic is revealed so think about that think about that when knowledge and wisdom come together when the head and the heart come together all the trappings that we have all the rituals that we have no matter how beautiful they are they are indeed beautiful they are indeed moving uh, I'm very ritualistic as well I love my rituals that's not what the heart of the craft is all about it's a voyage of discovery discovering yourself who you are in relation to yourself and in relation to the divine in relation to our universe our world those around us so to go back to what I'm saying in a nutshell what I'm saying is know where we come from know where we come from know the real history of the craft of, of Wicca of, of, of the modern witchcraft movement of neo-paganism understand the real history there the mythological history is beautiful it is but it's not true find out the real history and read works by people who are involved in 
the origins and the development of the movement. Read our our versions of theologians, I guess you could say it. Our version of theologians. Read what they have to say. Because a lot of them are very, very deep thinkers. Find out what they say. Think about it. See where we've come from. Understand where you are right now along your path. And find find your way forward. Your path will wander. Left, right, around curves, up hills, down hills. Your path will wander. But always know where you are. Because when you know where you are, you are not lost. In the immortal words, all who wander are not lost. Help those you can't help. Help yourself. Be good to yourself. Understand yourself. And come to a place where you can look at the guy in the glass. Yes, reference to the guy in the glass poem here. Um, Come to the place where you can look at the guy or the person. I say, I use the word, I use the term guy in the glass because that's a poem that I really love. Guy in the glass. Look it up one day. It's it's a beautiful poem. Um, come to a place where you can look at yourself in the mirror and you're happy with yourself work toward being the best version of you you possibly can be and if your path is not serving you in that way then consider what needs to change in order for it to be soul nourishing because that's what religion's all about nourishing the soul and bringing ourselves closer in our walk with the divine again I apologize for my voice being the way it is um, and I apologize for not being coming back to you in a podcast in such a long time it won't be as long again I promise you that. But I had to, four or five days ago, you couldn't hear my voice above a whisper. So I appreciate all of you who are listening to the podcast. I appreciate so much you're listening. And I encourage you, I ask you to think about what I have to say. If I've given you food for thought. If I've planted a thought seed with you, then I am truly blessed. I would appreciate it if you would help me get the word out about this podcast. I am not wise, no wiser than anyone else. I've been around a few days. I've learned a thing or two. Maybe my experience along the path can help you. I truly pray that that's the way it is. I I hope, I pray 
that maybe one thing I say gets you to thinking. Whether you agree with me or not is completely irrelevant. It's not that it's not if you agree with me or not. It's if you understand why you think the way you do. And that's the beauty. Understand who you are and why you are who you are. We are evolving. And I challenge you to be involved as we evolve. If you haven't done so, please go over to International Pagan Radio and check us out there. InternationalPaganRadio.com where it's all pagan all the time. This is a streaming internet station that is always on. You will hear a wide variety of of pagan artists there. You also will hear uh, several hosts there that are talking to you and talking with you on different topics that may interest you. So check it out. InternationalPaganRadio.com You can find it on the web. You can find it on Facebook. There's a group. There's a page. You can find it on TuneIn Radio app so that you can listen anywhere you've got an internet connection. So until next time that we're talking together, I want you to remember that no matter who you are, I love you for who you are. In all things, blessed be. Thank you again for joining me for Ponderings of a Pagan Priest. If anything in this episode planted a thought seed or engaged you to think, then I'm blessed. It doesn't matter if you think like me, but it does matter if you think. We are evolving, and I challenge you to be involved as we evolve. In all things, may you blessed be.